Hi, my name is Dr. Jerome Skinner. I'm an assistant professor for Old Testament Theology and Exegesis at Andrews University Theological Seminary. And today we're going to do a book review on the Messianic Hope by Michael Reidelnik. It's actually the subtitle that grasped my uh, attention and arrested me because he asked the question, is the Hebrew Bible really messianic? Now that could go in two ways, okay? It can be, yes, it is, or no, it's not, and here are the reasons. So I was intrigued um, to pick up and read this book. And something helpful from a book that I read a long time ago by Mortimer Adler called How to Read a Book as he said, you should always read the table of contents to see where the author is trying to lead you, um, because usually most books have some type of agenda. And you should also re read the preface where the author actually tells you what they're trying to accomplish. So I just want to read a quick sentence from the preface. It says, there is a growing tendency to see the Old Testament as an eschatological messianic text. This is the approach I'm attempting to adopt in this book. So he puts his cards on the table and he tells us what he's trying to accomplish. Now you may ask yourself as a, if you're a Christian or you're interested in Christian theology, you know, why is that a topic? I thought all Christians believe that um, Jesus is the promised Messiah. Well, um, unfortunately, there is a growing body of literature that's questioning that. And right on it actually goes into where does that questioning really originate? And why is it that Christians are taking up this type of approach? So what Dr. Rydonek does is he starts from um, the definition of the term Messiah. Like first, how do we know that um, Jesus fulfills this expectation based on um, what is written about this, this figure, the Messiah. So that's where he actually starts. And then he moves from that, moving from the smallest point of interest to a broad um, perspective. He starts with actually the, the accents in the Hebrew Bible and looking at specific grammatical um, issues and how do we understand how the, the original language is communicating to us. So he's showing us some of the critiques of this messianic hope, how it's actually when you're looking at it. So he actually moves us from the smallest point of interest where Jesus talked about not even a jot or a tittle shall be moved. So even the little accents or the smallest Hebrew letter. And then he moves us comprehensively from that to looking at a specific messianic prophecy and its um, literary context. And then he broadens that to looking at the whole canon. And then he moves that into how do, how do New Testament writers look at these messianic prophecies. And then he talks about how um, the problem developed of questioning Jesus's messiahship from the perspective of the Hebrew Bible. So he first does this by showing there's this tension that develops right around the time when Jesus actually comes between his Jewish followers and then between the Jews who decided not to follow him as the Messiah. And so when people saw that the New Testament um, writers and Jesus's apostles and disciples were actually going to the Hebrew Bible to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of these messianic prophecies, you have another perspective developing 
where those Messianic prophecies are now being read in different ways to try to get away from Jesus being um, the focus and fulfillment of these prophecies. And throughout history, um, we see this developing. We, so we see two things developing. One is showing how Jesus is the fulfillment and another is showing how we should just read these Messianic prophecies different than the way the New Testament writers do. So what ends up happening after the Reformation, or I should say during the Reformation, you really have um, a resurgence of trying to understand the text in its original language. So where do you go to understand Hebrew? You go to people who know Hebrew. And so a lot of these um, perspectives that were in, inculcated in this literature were taken up by some um, critics of the Bible. And they're saying, see, the, Bible, the Hebrew Bible really doesn't show that Jesus is the Messiah. Look how these rabbis are interpreting these Old Testament texts. And slowly um, that has seeped into Christian theology, where now to be academically respectable, um, people are starting to say, well, is that what Israel really believed? And so Rydelnik actually goes through point by point, um, challenging that notion that we should read the text in the way that um, people are ascribing to, and that's called a literalistic reading. So to give you one example, um, Genesis 3.15 is not seen by some as a messianic prophecy about Jesus. It's seen about, as a story about how people became afraid of snakes. <laughs> okay, So that's, that's what I mean when I say literalistic. So Dr. Rydonek actually shows us how if you follow that to its logical conclusion, you start seeing other problems develop. But he shows how there's literary connections um, between that initial promise in Genesis 3.15 and then the rest of the Hebrew Bible. Like it's, there's a development based on this concept of the seed and how that plays out. And then he finally ends by talking about, well, now that we have this information, what should we do? And he ends advocating for a reading of the Hebrew Bible that is Messiah-centered because he's saying that's what the New Testament writers did and that's something that we should get back to and um, not allow those who don't follow um, Jesus as Messiah to set the agenda for how we read today. So one of the approaches to um, the study of the Hebrew Bible is to try to read it as an, as an indifferent, unaffected scholar. In other words, you don't have any presuppositions. You're just trying to read the text as it was given. Well, when you read the New Testament, it actually tells you this is impossible, right? First Corinthians 2 says that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So to try to take the approach that you're some type of uninterested observer, it's already problematic because everyone has some type of perspective. So when Rydonik is talking about support for seeing Jesus as the fulfillment, he puts his cards on the table and says, this is my perspective. And one of the problems with those who do critique him is they're not clear about what their perspective is, um, usually because that will raise other questions and other problems. So I think what Radonik is doing is saying, if you have a certain perspective or approach, you have to be clear about what are you bringing to the table? Because we can all look at um, Hebrew grammar. We can all look at historical data, such as archaeological data. 
how we look at those things is always informed by our presuppositions or by our approach. So most of the critiques try to critique his book on a point here or a point there without really saying, the reason why I'm critiquing this is because I don't believe in supernatural um, revelation from God. So if I don't believe in that, my reading of Genesis 3.15, my reading of Genesis 49, my reading of Numbers 24 and all these other messianic um, prophecies is going to be strictly trying to look at it as a historical document, which means I only look at how other ancient or Eastern people around were writing about issues at the time. I'm not really thinking in terms of um, the trajectory that this is this specific prophecy is giving me about this hope. Okay, so that's probably the biggest issue when it comes to how do we look at these issues that um, Dr. Rydonik is addressing? Is what do you come to the table with? And I think the fact that he he addresses that in this book is something that um, has to be addressed. You, I mean, the critiques can try to critique on points of grammar here and there. But until we really sit down at the table and say, okay, this is what I think, this is what I believe in general about um, the revelation of God, for instance, I don't think much of the discussion is going to move. So my background training is in philosophical theology, and I, I don't know if that's part of his training. But when you're talking about the issue of methodology and how we approach the Bible, um, everyone has some type of worldview that informs how they read. In other words, the way that our brain functions is predicated on belief systems that we have. So we all can look at a rock, right? <laughs> what you see will be informed by a plethora of different things. So something I would add to this is really talking about what are we bringing to the table? Now, to, to give you a little secret about academia, that's almost a no-no, <laughs> okay? People don't like expressing their own personal belief systems or views. But the problem is implicit in critiques or acceptance of any idea, those views are present, right? So I would say some, a follow-up book to this that could be written is really looking at what do we believe about messianic hope in general? Okay, what informs our thinking about that? Um, and for those who aren't Christians, um, I would ask someone to give me a compelling reason for um, their rejection of the Messiah. What Messiah are they rejecting? I think sometimes the way that Jesus is portrayed is off-putting, right? Because I think sometimes Christians paint him in a light where he's almost anti-Jewish. So that's going to have impacts for our Jewish brothers and sisters who may not accept him as the Messiah. Um, whereas if we, we show his Jewish roots, we show how he is fulfilling Torah, how he speaks positively about it, and what the real nature of the conflict in his time was, which was the leadership, not the Torah, I think that will give another perspective to really think through some of these issues. So I think if we're honest about um, where we're coming from and we're clear about it, at least people will say, okay, this is their perspective. This is my perspective. This is why we agree. This is why we disagree. And then we can actually have an honest conversation. 
Um, but in academia, I don't know if that's the main concern as much as arguing over the jot and the tittle. I would give this book four stars out of five. Anytime Jesus is lifted up, it's a, a great and wonderful thing because he is the substance and source of our hope. But I think also for those who are educated, they need to hear a clear, decisive word that shows that Jesus did fulfill these expectations. So faith is always operative. It's just for, for educated people, you just can't go up to someone and say, just believe, right? Sometimes people do need that um, extra confirmation to grow in their faith. And I think this book gives that evidence clearly and concisely.